Upon checking the news in the morning, one of the first things I noticed are the numbers. This percent of the U.S. is unemployed. The stock market dropped this many points, and so on. But the thing is, how do I know these numbers are accurate? Many data centers adjust their numbers for the season or quarter we are in, so what do the numbers in the news really mean? After reading an article from the New York Times, I answer this question, as well as discuss a company that is doing well during this crisis, Clorox. But first, let's go over some key terms. Our first key term is a recession. A recession is a period of general economic decline, marked by high unemployment, stagnant wages, and a fall in retail sales. A recession typically does not last longer than a year, and it is much less severe than a depression. The next key term is the labor force, which is the number of individuals in an economy who are either employed or seeking employment. The third and final key term is gross domestic product, or GDP. This is the value of a country's overall output of goods and services at their market prices, and typically ex excludes net income from abroad. GDP is generally measured in three ways, which are expenditure basis, how much money was spent, output basis, how many goods and services were sold, and income basis, how much income, or profit, was earned. Next, I'm going to go over some key passages and their importance that I found in the New York Times article entitled, The Economic Data is About to Get Weird. The first passage I found states, Major economic indicators like the jobless rate rely on surveys of people and businesses, but the COVID-19 crisis is already affecting how many people and businesses respond to them. This could distort results. Bottlenecks in state employment systems are artificially holding down the number of people who can file for unemployment benefits, and for vast numbers of people, it is not obvious how their employment status should be classified. This passage is important because it outlines how broad the effects of COVID-19 are, and how they are affecting the responses of government systems to unemployment. Because not everyone is able to file for unemployment at once, this being a way to try and prevent government bottlenecks, there is a considerable delay in being officially designated as unemployed and receiving the unemployment benefits. What this means is that the government does not have the true number of unemployed people, and those who are may not definitively know how to classify themselves, all of which leads to a distortion of the official unemployment statistics. The next main passage I found in the article states that, even among people who respond to the survey, for millions of people whose employers are shut down, there will be much more ambiguity than usual over whether they should count as employed, unemployed, or not in the labor force. The economic effects of COVID-19 are unprecedented, and as already stated, are showing how easily statistics regarding unemployment can be distorted. This passage continues to outline how this occurs, by showing how there can be ambiguity on the official term used when filling out the census. This effect is magnified when there is such a backup in filing for unemployment and receiving its benefits because even if a person has lost their job, they may not be officially registered as unemployed, which may affect their response on the census, which again will change the statistics around that topic. The third and final main passage that I found states, for example, most major economic data is seasonally adjusted to make it easier to focus on changing trends in the economy rather than just the usual rhythms of the year. Retailers add jobs in the fall and cut them in January after the holiday season, for example. But now, with enormous disruptions unrelated to the seasons, applying those adjustments can either exaggerate or underplay coronavirus-related damage. Arguably, for example, the 4.97 million new claims for unemployment benefits last week 
gives a more accurate picture than the 5.25 million seasonally adjusted claims. This passage stood out as it illustrates how important it is in times like these to report the data exactly as it is, without any adjustments for time or place. Because the economy has been so disrupted, and something like this has never happened before, the adjustments that may have been accurate a few months ago can no longer be trusted. This is exemplified in the data given in the passage, which shows how big a difference can occur when something like a seasonal adjustment is applied where it shouldn't. After reading this article and identifying some of the key terms and passages, I was left with one big question. How can I make sure that I am receiving accurate information that hasn't been tweaked or adjusted in a way that distorts it? As we read in the article, the data that is being put out to the public is increasingly confusing and complicated, and does not seem to show the whole picture. This is somewhat understandable, as economists and statisticians haven't experienced something like this crisis either, but it is still important to make sure that we are receiving accurate information. The main way to do this seems to be just making sure that you are using a reliable source and that you are reading more than a headline. Much of the data that has been put out has been adjusted for seasonal quarter. And while a headline might say the specific statistic the article is about, the actual piece will go into depth about what that means and hopefully provide clear and accurate information on how that is actually being shown and applied in the economy. For the next part of this podcast, I will give some information on a company that is currently doing well and some specific information about their stock values over the past two months. The company that I have chosen to look into is Clorox. The main and obvious reason why Clorox is doing well is that they produce bleach and cleaning supplies, and their products have been in very high demand over the past month. As stores sell out and consumers purchase more, cleaning products have become high-value goods, and the benefits of this have shown themselves in Clorox's stock. Investors have confidence in Clorox currently because of the reason just stated, but also because in addition to cleaning supplies, Clorox also produces cat litter, trash bags, and charcoal, all of which are common consumer goods. These products aren't expensive, most everyone needs them, and they produce customer loyalty, as their quality has been proven over the years. This, along with the current crisis, has put confidence in Clorox. Clorox stock has been doing well over the past two months, with a steady increase from $164.84 per stock on February 19th, and $191.93 today, April 22nd. While Clorox is not a stock that has large jumps in price, its steady climb shows its reliability and will earn money for long-term investors. Over the past two months, the high point of the company was $197.88 per share on March 17th, and the low point was $158.70 on March 12th. To conclude, The most important thing to do when reading or listening to the news is to actually listen to more than the headline. Numbers and statistics are not always what they seem, and understanding how they were obtained is the first step in figuring out how to fix the problems that they make.